Blog Talk Radio. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your... It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. Good morning, everyone. I'm here. It's a Wednesday when you're hearing this. It is a pre-tape show. Vermont. It is beautiful here. It is quiet here. It is wonderful, and I had planned to do my show live from here. However, it turns out that the friend that I'm staying with has major construction going on Monday through Friday, and I'm unable, therefore, to do the shows live. So this is a pre-tape show. It will still be a great one. Please keep listening. Unfortunately, you can't call in, but you can absolutely email me for a future show at Janet at JanetRichmond.com, you can email me a request, and I'm there for anyone who would like to get a healing online. You can keep it private if you need to. We can use a different name. It's completely up to you, and you don't need to give me a lot of details. You only need to give me a little bit. So please, I will respond. I will definitely do the healing. I'll let you know what, um, what the plan is. And in any case, please do reach out. It's, it's a way to get a jump start in life, okay? It's a way to get going. And if you've been working the neutralizing and doing it on your own, it's just another step, another, another time to neutralize some more. And several people have taken advantage of this and have written me several times or have come on the show live more than once. It's, it's just really an opportunity for you guys. This is why I'm here. However, today we can't do the call-in because, as I said, it is a pre-taped show. And it's going to be a great one, as I said. So, what I'm doing today, I do want to mention that I have a website, JanetRichmond.com. There is so much on there. So much is free. It's very informative. It's, it'll help you get started to do the work yourself, because that is really my goal, is to have everyone do the work themselves. This is, I, I can't do it for everyone. No one person could. 
So my goal is to get the information out as many ways I can on the radio. I have a book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints. And I have uh, all my radio shows archived. They're free on my website. I have meetup groups. If you're in the L.A. area, you can join me at a meetup group where I also do healings now. I have private sessions. I've written a second book called Soul, S-O-U-L, Psychology, Our Journey Through the Human Kingdom Universe. And it's not out yet, but I do talk a little bit about things that are from time to time that are in that book. I still haven't figured out how, what I'm going to do with it. I have someone who's looking into the publishing angle, but there's always online publishing, the self-publishing, which is perhaps the way I'm going to go. Anyway, I will let everybody know as soon as that's out. But I, the bottom line is I try to get this information out to anybody and everyone as much as I can to help people get started on working on themselves. And I've changed my life 180 degrees many times, probably six or eight different times. It's just amazing how powerful this work is. Everyone comes equipped to do it, and I will be explaining that when I do the healing in this show. Today, I am going to be talking about emotional blueprints. This is the emotional aspect of the energetic field that we carry, keeping in mind, especially for those who are new, that our beingness doesn't end at the skin. We have a big energetic field around us that is very much an active part of our existence day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And because we live in a five-sense ruled world where things we can see, hear, touch, smell, taste, whatever, those things tend to make the bigger impression upon us. And we're not as tuned into or as able to understand or connect with the energetic side of life. But energy is everything. Even the atoms that are part of our physical world are run by energy, and that's where we get the atomic bomb, guys. That's where we get the atomic energy. So even the the particles, even the parts of our material world are ruled by energy, and this is very much a part of our lives and so today I'm going to I've talked about on this show this year about thought energy I've talked about habit energy I'm not going to repeat about those because I have that in many of my radio shows and it's just out there everywhere and it's in my book if you have any questions though feel free to email me again Janet at JanetRichmond.com very easy Anyway, today I'm going to talk about emotional energy and the place that it has in our energetic field, how it affects our lives. Okay. Now, emotional energy is a very interesting part of our life, and it's going to take some simple explanation, and then I have a great example for you. So you can re- you'll really get to understand from the example. Now, bottom line, even though it's really hard to understand, every single event is actually 
completely and utterly neutral. We can't conceive that some events aren't neutral because we have a very powerful emotional reaction to that event. And in fact, there is no event completely neutral to us anymore because we've lived so many lifetimes and we've ascribed to various types of events, virtually every type of event, we've ascribed, we've attached an emotional reaction to it. So, for example, when, well, I'm not going to give the example yet, sorry. The, so, what happens is we have an emotional nature as human beings. We have an emotional nature, and when something happens, we associate an emotion with an event, and my example is going to explain it. The emotion then becomes attached to the event. It has an energetic attachment to the event. So it's hard to explain, but it's almost like Velcro. So if you can imagine a ping pong ball, for example, as being a symbol of the event. And the ping pong ball has all sorts of one half of the Velcro around it. And when we experience the ping pong ball in our lives and we associate an emotion with that ping pong ball or that symbolic event, that emotion that carries the other half of the Velcro then gets attached to the ping pong ball. Okay, now what happens? When you experience the same type of event, the same ping pong ball event in the life, again, the ping pong ball is carrying the emotional attachment to it. And when we experience that ping pong ball again, we now are going to, it's like we hit the replay button because it triggers, that the event triggers the emotion that we've already attached to it. And that emotion then comes up automatically. It's triggered. It's like hitting the replay button on a tape. It triggers the emotion. So whatever emotion we've attached to that ping pong ball is going to come up for us. Now the event is a second event or a new event. So we're already feeling the emotion that had been attached the first time we experienced the ping pong ball. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm about to give you a really good example. And the second time we experience the event, maybe there's some additional emotional reaction, which then, more Velcro here, now the ping pong ball maybe have, will have two or three additional emotions attached. And the first emotion that was attached that we triggered we will feel that trigger again and probably will that triggered emotion again and will because we're feeling it again we're empowering it so now that first emotion is going to be intensified so we now have the ping pong ball event with the first emotion we attach to it stronger and we have two or three other emotional issues attached to it, other emotional responses. 
And now this ping pong ball event is definitely not neutral for us because it's carrying some strong emotion and more than one emotion to it. It's as if there's an energetic field that holds on to the emotional response. Okay? So, when we go through our lives, when there is an event or situation, a condition, a person, a anything that triggers an emotion, in fact, it is triggering the emotions that are attached to that type of event that we've had in many, many different lifetimes. It is pushing the replay button. We all know that sometimes emotionally we can overreact to situations and conditions and, and we later see that our reaction was an overreaction. Well, this is why, guys. This is totally why. Because we pushed the replay button and we triggered off prior emotional responses that have intensified, that have grown, that have been more and more. And so now when we have that event, we can over-emotionalize, over-respond with that type of emotion. And we all know what pushing our buttons means. And often when we have that kind of overreaction, we'll say, oh, well, that kind of thing just pushes my buttons. And so that's why it's because we're triggering off the emotional responses we've had before in many lifetimes. And each time that gets triggered, it actually gets intensified. There is so much Velcro holding those emotional responses to that event that it grows and grows and grows, and it becomes an emotional blueprint. Now, why do we use the term blueprint? Well, the term blueprint, if you think of an architect's blueprint, the builder then follows the blueprint and knows exactly how to build the house or the office or the garage or whatever that builder is building. The blueprint determines how it's going to be built. It determines the response of the builder, what materials he's going to use, how he's going to place the walls and the timbers and the everything. You know what I'm saying. Well, an emotional blueprint is exactly the same. It is a blueprint around an event, a situation, a condition, and when that gets triggered, we respond exactly how our blueprints have been built by us with the prior events. Emotional responses, we think they're normal, we think they're justified, we think they that anybody would feel that way, but in fact, that isn't the case. In fact, it's never the case. There are some events that tend to trigger one type of blueprint or another, but not always. There is so much unique individuality throughout the humanities. No two people are always going to react exactly the same way. There can be commonality, for sure. But event reaction that we all have, the responses that we all have, absolutely 
have to do with what we are already attached, how we've what we've already attached to the event. How is that ping pong ball looking? What is attached to it? How big is it? How many situations or conditions have come up that are similar to that? Where we how much have we built upon and attached to that ping pong ball? Now I'm going to give you a really simple but very clear example. And I call it the snake event. Okay? Now a snake, remember, all events are actually neutral. So I'm using the snake event because we all know we're not one ourselves that are totally deathly afraid of snakes and could never in a million years think of a snake as being a neutral event. But if snakes were were not neutral, if they were only meant, if they were events that only would engender fear, we would find everyone being totally petrified and terrified of snakes and probably there wouldn't be many snakes left in the world because they because everybody would be so busy making sure they were wiped out. We know people, there are scientists that study snakes. There are those who collect snakes. There are people who have them as pets. There are people who use their venom in certain ways to to for medicines and whatever. There are many different reactions to snakes that tells us that the emotional attachment to the snake event is varied by individuals. And I'm going to give you an example of one person as they move through their journey in different lives, different experiences within one life, how these emotional blueprints get set. Now, we are going to imagine a little boy. He lives in a fairly, a, like a traditional tribal type society. And his dad, they happen to live in an area where snakes are endemic. They're there. Some are poisonous, some aren't. And the father is a very practical man and believes in teaching caution to his son. And as they walk through the forest or the field or wherever they happen to be walking, he is teaching his son about the various flora and fauna, including the snakes that exist there, including the ones they run into. And he, in his teaching, is very clear to tell the son, you need to be cautious around snakes. Some are completely harmless, and some are going to really hurt you. And so the father is teaching caution to the son. And so the son is attaching, at this young age, three, four, five, he's attaching caution to the snake event. Now later in his life, he happens to be with his mom. He's, this is a year or two later. He's maybe five or six. And they're in the market, and they go to the market quite often together. He's used to going to the market with his mom. But this particular day, they walk past the vendor in the market that is selling snake venom. And the vendor 
has the snakes, the poisonous snakes right there. He's very good at handling the poisonous snakes. He knows exactly what to do, how to milk the venom from the snakes. And the son, who has been learning about snakes from his dad, is curious. So he moves closer to the snake vendor to see the poisonous snake up close. Snake vendor, just to be funny, he's holding one of the poisonous snakes in his hand, suddenly pushes the snake's face right into the boy's face, kind of to scare him and to be silly and funny, and the mother shrieks in utter terror. Okay, could something like this happen? Of course. And what happens to the boy now? On top of caution, which is the response to a snake that his father had taught him, he now, with the scream of terror from the mother, he's attached fear to this snake event. So he has attached two feelings with the snake event, the caution and the terror or the fear. He did not get hurt, so the fear is there, but it hasn't moved yet into a very intense form, but it is now there. The mother screamed. He's attached it to the snake event. Now, later, two or three years later, he's out by himself now, walking in the, the woods or wherever he is, and he accidentally steps on a snake, and the snake bites him. He's petrified at this point. He's absolutely petrified. He's, not, he's so scared that he doesn't even realize or he doesn't even recognize if it's a poisonous snake or not. But the fear from that, that time in the now been triggered, so it has immediately been, and now his fear in the current thing, he's now stepped on a snake. He didn't kill it. He stepped on it, and it bit, bites him, and he's now off the roof. He's well aware of poisonous snakes. He's learned about the venom from that whole situation in the marketplace, and his fear is off the roof. He doesn't know if it's a poisonous snake or not. He doesn't have his wits about him to even figure that out. So he's now intensified the fear and the terror around snakes. And does he still have the caution response? Yes, but it's minor compared to the fear at this point. Okay, next life. Next life, he happens to be born, and he may have chosen it or not, I don't know, but he's born to a family that raises snakes like a chicken farm. It's a snake farm. They raise snakes for food. And I don't think we have them on this planet. He's not on this planet, but he's now been raised in this environment. And from the get-go, he is terrified of those snakes. Now, his family can't understand it. They 
value snakes. There's nothing venomous about them. There's nothing scary about them. They, they can't even imagine why this child of theirs should be afraid. But his initial reaction is terror. And he never wants to go near them. He never wants to uh, deal with them in any way. But what happens is he's growing up and hearing from those around him all the good things about these snakes. He's hearing about the value. He hears about the uh, the fact that it, it enables the, the family to feed themselves, to clothe themselves. It's their living. It's the value. They, they, get, they have food for other people. It's, it's something they use to barter. It's something they use to get goods and help in their life in their lives and slowly but surely the idea that snakes have value that they are good things that they are positive starts to build on his snake event his blueprint so eventually he slowly as he grows up moves in moves out of the total fear reaction because he's building another response to snakes. Snakes are good. Snakes are value. Snakes are helpful. Snakes are interesting, funny. There are many different stories, many different situations and conditions that come up on the snake farm <laughs> that, that the, the son is experiencing, even if it is eat away. And slowly but surely, as he gets older, he is able to move forward, and even though every time he's around snakes, the fear comes up, the other emotional attachments are now getting bigger and bigger and coming more into play. So we've all heard the term, we have mixed feelings about things. This is why, guys, he's carrying both caution, fear, terror, and now value, good, positive, helpful, sometimes even funny or silly. And this emotional blueprint for him has gotten more and more complex. But we're not going to end there because I wish things were still that simple. They aren't. Now, in another life, he moves into a situation uh, of a spiritual world that there's a spiritual component to snakes. He moves into a lifetime where snakes are considered a totem of sorts, a god of sorts, just like there are other totems of the bear or the the lion or the tree or the river, it takes on, snakes have taken on a spiritual component. It is a protective element, a totem, a spiritual guide, so to speak, something that can give you guidance or help or uh, support or protection. And in that life, he is introduced from a very young age and becomes very familiar with the spiritual viewpoints of the peoples that he grows up with, the culture that he grows up with where nature is considered 
so special and so much an integral part of their lives that he is adding to his emotional blueprint the whole idea of snakes have a spiritual component. Snakes have a very positive, uh, protective element. And even though his first response to snakes will be complex, the mixed bag, so to speak, the complicated response pattern of caution and fear and value and goodness, he's now going to take on a spiritual component. That it is that snakes in some ways are bigger than we are. They are important. And this is going to add to his already complex snake event blueprint that now the snake totem that members of his family carry he is going to see as something very spiritual, something very meaningful, positive sense. Now, that's not all. Suppose he was then born onto this planet and had become part of the spiritual religious arena where the snake was responsible in the story of the Garden of Eden and represented the tester and the tempter. Snakes take on, in a spiritual sense, in, on this planet, the tester and tempter role, the leading us to evil. Boy grows up in a religious environment where the snake is seen in this way. The snake can take on additional spiritual components, a different different spiritual emotional responses to that young man. Now, of course, he could be a, a man or a woman in e any of these lifetimes, but I'm just choosing the boy scenario. But now, the spiritual component itself has conflict. That alone has added conflict to the emotional response to this snake event that is truly neutral. And this young man then has taken on a myriad of emotional responses and literally every time the snake event occurs in this life, at this point in time, where there's been no teachings about snakes as he grew up, but he's been introduced to them as in an educational sense. Here's part of the fauna of our planet. And he's now got children and introducing his own children to snakes. And he's taken them to a reptile house in the zoo. And he's showing them a live snake. Every single component of his emotional responses are triggered with that event. How they all, how it all plays out for him, we don't know exactly because I can't tell you what has become um, the most overriding feeling or whether he's going to have a complex, conflicted feeling about the snakes, and I'm sure it would be conflicted. But I kind of see him as the father trying to be more objective, more neutral, and explaining to his children, not tr trying not to necessarily pass on if he has that fear still very present and intensified 
part of the emotional reaction of saying he might try to pass on more of a caution kind of word, trying to also edu educate them. He would, whatever he's been exposed to as he's gone through life, whatever he knows about snakes, he might use the opportunity in the zoo to educate the children. But when, if he were out somewhere in nature and there's a snake came out, the fear, because now there's <laughs> the fear response, because now the intellectual, the snake is behind the glass, it's not going to hurt me, he may respond by grabbing their hands and running away. We don't know, but all those responses, all those emotional responses are part of his snake event now. And we all know when we're really afraid of something, as parents, we don't want our fears to be passed on for the children. We are aware enough now uh, in this society present now that we as parents can pass on our emotional responses to kids. We are aware of that and we are cautious, we are careful for the most part. Some things, there's no helping. We just can't help it. We see a dog and we are off the charts afraid. We teach the children to be afraid of dogs. This happens all the time. We can't help it. It is not about um, blaming. It is not about complaining. It is not about finding can. But these emotional blueprints make it very, very, very difficult for us. And we've gone through so many thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of lifetimes that we have built completely complex emotional blueprints. Some are more, one emotion or another are more intense. Some are all over the map, depending on a situation or condition, one or another type of response will come forward, will be the predominant one in that situation. But when we experience virtually every event now, we are triggering what we've already attached to that event. We are triggering a very complex blueprint. So, how do we handle these blueprints? What we want to do which is exactly what we want to do with the thought forms and the, and the habit imprints, we want to neutralize the blueprints. Now, what are we doing when we neutralize them? Well, I'm telling you right now, we aren't neutralizing the emotions. We are emotional beings. We have emotions. They will always be there. What we are doing is we are dissolving, neutralizing the energy attaches the emotion to the event. So we are basically dismantling the Velcro. We're taking the Velcro off the event. So the, the emotions that are attached are now free. They're now free, and that event becomes more and more and more neutral. I have a friend that does this work, and when I first met her, she was so terrified of flying that she, anytime she knew not only if she, that she was going to fly, but any friend or any loved one, she would have literally 
stay up at night, panic attacks, weeks ahead of the t- time that the person or she was to fly. It was crippling. She started this work, and slowly but surely, the emotional attachment of fear to the flying event began to dissolve. And now she gets worried a day or two ahead. She gets a little nervous, but she's not freaking out. There's no anxiety attacks. She knows she still has more work to do. She wants it to be completely neutral, but she's neutralized around it enough that that complete terror around flying is no longer there. Now it's a few days ahead. Now it's reasonable. She can handle it. It is not something where she can't concentrate on anything else in life because the fear has taken over. So that's what we do, folks. Now, of course, when we neutralize, we always neutralize the thought energy and the habit energy around it. We don't always, we're not just dealing with the emotional response. Remember that all these three things, the thoughts, the feelings, the habit imprints, all of those are happening simultaneously. Because when we're afraid, we're also thinking, oh, I'm petrified. We're also uh, and every time we think, I am petrified, it's creating the, the habit imprint in the habit energy field. And so all three things are interacting and intensifying, and they're all connected. So when we neutralize, we aren't going to just neutralize the fear. We're going to neutralize all the thoughts and the habit imprints as well simultaneously. And what this means is that when an event happens, we actually move into a place where we have choice about an emotional response. If we neutralize all the Velcro, all the energy that is holding the emotional response to the event, if we neutralize all of those, and the event becomes neutral, then, and only then, do we have real choice. Because nothing is going to be triggered. So if we see a snake field, or on the path, 10 feet in front of us, we may become fascinated by the coloring and the design that is on the back of the snake. Or we may start to giggle at the silly movement and find it funny as it wiggles along and avoids the ups and downs and stuff. We may find it curious how the snake, if we see it with a kill and have it open up its mouth and detach the things at the mouth so it can actually get something bigger than it into its mouth, we may become totally fascinated. Or we may step on a snake and get bitten and then think, oh my gosh, I better take care of this and run to the car to drive somewhere to make sure that, you know, if it's venomous that we are healed. We get to choose the emotional reaction. We now have choice. And that is the goal, that we don't just get triggered 
and go through the knee-jerk reactions to these events in our lives. It is so incredibly healing and so incredibly freeing. Let me give you another quick example. The, let's say you're in a park or you're like a theme park or you're somewhere where there's a vendor selling balloons. And the vendor comes along and it's a clown, dressed up as a clown, and it's holding red, white, and blue balloons. And you have a daughter, a son, and anybody who really loves pink. <laughs> but you don't have the choice of pink because the vendor only has red, white, and blue. But let's say the vendor, the clown, is standing right outside a balloon store that carries, or just down the block from the balloon shop, and just before you come up, some other family buys out the remaining red, white, and blue balloons, and so you, with your child that loves pink, you get to go into the balloon store, and now you get to choose color you want. You're not relying on the colors that the clown is holding. You are able to choose from the rich, vast, beautiful colors in the store. And that's really what we want. We want to have the richness, the variety, the ability to choose how we feel about something, how we react. And this is the beauty. This is the absolute treasure of being able to neutralize because it brings choice into the life pattern. I'm doing a generic healing today, and I'm going to work on healing fear. Now, I chose fear because my examples with the snake, my example with the the fear of flying dealt mostly with fear and fear is a an element that we all have even if we don't consider ourselves fearful people we have lived so many lives we carry a lot of fear but the fear may not be totally conscious in this life may not be right at the surface it may not be that intense fear like you know being feeling terror at a snake or getting on a plane. And so we think, wow, we don't really have fears. But in fact, we have not only ones that come up just a little bit that we're conscious of, that come up here and there, but we have ones that we literally have no concept of because we don't remember, we don't have any clue what we, how we lived, what our lives were like when we were in these prior lives. So... When I deal with an overriding emotion, for example, I often use an exercise, and you, if you've been listening to any of my shows, you're aware of it, but I, I'm going to focus on the emotional part of the pattern, the fear pattern. But I am, of course, going to let you know that it doesn't mean we're only going to be neutralizing fear. We're going to set it up so that the thoughts and habits of fear move into being neutralized as well. But the symbol I'm going to use is that of an iceberg. But I want you to 
to feel that instead of water with the iceberg floating in it, that we're walking out onto symbolic ice, something solid, because I want you to detach enough so that you can see the fear right in front of you. Detach enough to see the fear, but you also are conscious that the fear that you're seeing, that's what we're aware of in this life. This is what we've experienced in this life. This is what we have triggered in this life. But underneath what we can see in front of us is that nine-tenths of the iceberg of fear that we have developed in prior lives, but they don't come up in this life, so we're not aware of it. For example, let's just say we live near um, volcanoes in one life, and there were various rumblings and lava flows and all sorts of things that created issues for us as a people in those lives. Nobody really died. Nobody really uh, was hurt, but there was a whole bunch of caution and close calls from time to time. So we have a fear thing about volcanoes. But we live in Kansas City. There's no volcanoes near Kansas City. And so in this life, we are so distanced from the volcano event that no fear is triggered for us. We may see something on a movie screen or hear something in the news, but it's really trigger the fear for us. And so this is why we have so much below the surface. And I, in my other shows, I've talked about things that have been, for me, I'm like, what? I have that fear? Come on already. No way, you know? So, and then I've neutralized it and had huge shifts in my life. So, I'm going to use the symbol of fear. Now, this radio show, even though I'm doing fear, you can use this. I hope that all the listeners will go through this exercise with me and that you will also use it several times, many times, to deal with fears because fears are so endemic and so entrenched in our etheric bodies because we've had so many lives with limited understanding. And when we have limited understanding, we tend to be afraid of things. And so over and over and over again. So this is going to be a great show to listen and do the fear generic healing over and over again. Now, remember, you can always pause when something comes up for you that I never mention. Be a participant. Be an active participant in helping yourself. Maybe you have a a deathly fear of clowns. We all have heard of that. Or maybe you have a fear of heights. Maybe you have a fear of water. Maybe you have a fear of swimming. I don't know. Whatever you have, I, I have a client that is afraid of butter. She's terrorized because of butter. There's all sorts of fears out there. And... So what I would recommend is that you would become the active participant. You would pause it and you start to let go of all the fears that you might have that I don't say, all the aspects of them, whatever comes up for you, the thoughts, the beliefs, the self-identities, the patience that that fear puts upon you, the ripple effects, the causes, direct and indirect, I want you to become the active participant. Let this 
Let this healing be the beginning for you. Let this healing give you the jump start to get you in the energies, and then you become the active participant with the pausing. And you'll be surprised. Each time you do it, new things will come up. That's what's so amazing. New things will come up, but it doesn't matter. You can do the old fears that you're aware of over and over again, and you're, what you're doing is you're getting layers and layers and layers. I mean, that terror of flying that my friend had, uh, that took many layers to get down to the, where she is now. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. The exciting thing is she saw progress for the first time ever in her life. She saw progress, and it's huge. It's maybe 85 to 90% better. My goodness. Is she motivated to keep working to get even those lower layers? Yes. But it's interesting because other things have become more important. The priorities have shifted. Other things in her life, because that, that now is sort of handleable, more the norm in her mind now. She still wants to get rid of it completely, but other things are coming up to handle. And that's what's so exciting about this work is that the overriding issues, the things that are so important, so prominent in your life as they get smaller and smaller, other areas come up that you want to work on and heal. And then those areas get less prominent. And then you work on the new things that you never even dreamed you could get to before. No concept. What? Those so much are handled over there. You mean I can actually handle this over here, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I could get to? And this is what's so great about the work. It just keeps uncovering more and more stuff as more and more stuff is neutralized, more and more comes up, more and more unfoldment comes, more and more potential is realized. We're really, un we're really unlimited, guys. We just, all these things have a way of holding us stuck, holding us back, holding us limited. So let's unlimit ourselves. We're going to start now with fear. We're going to use the, the iceberg approach. And I want everyone just to begin, take a deep breath. You all know the, the drill. If, if you're new, just follow along. I repeat everything. Reminders never hurt. And if you're new, you'll get it for sure. And I now want everyone to be comfortable. And we're going to bring that mind's eye in. We're just going to relax, bring the mind's eye in, and simply begin by focusing on the physical body. It is this focus on the physical body that begins to activate the focus of our mind, our conscious mind. It is the conscious mind focus that is our turn-on switch that enables us to access the divine energies that we carry that will be doing the healing. We're going to bring that focus of attention in. Focus on the body, the position of the arms and legs. It's a simple technique. We focus on where are our hands and our feet? How are we contacting the contact points, body with the chair, with the floor? Bringing that mind's eye in until we're standing in the center of thought. And this center of thought is activating, the focus is activating the now moment. 
And this now moment is a simple energy field. It is as if it's an energy field around us, 360 degrees. It is not fleeting, untouchable, unimaginable, unfathomable. It is a real energy. You can envision it, imagine it, think it, experience it as embracing you around you 360 degrees. It has, because it's inner energy, we can manipulate it with our focused thought. And we're going to now expand it. Our thought is going to make it bigger, to grow it. It is not solid. It can grow. It is expanding. It is beautiful. It is moving in through and around the and growing into the space where we're sitting, bigger than the building we're in, bigger than the town we're in, and it's just going to continue to expand until all the now moments from all of the listeners, present and future, are now touching and joining in one accord. And not only that, they are so big that they are encompassing the past, present, and future nows, bringing us into the eternal now or forever now moment, which allows us to bring this healing to all of our beingness. It allows us to future now simultaneously. It expands, accelerates, enhances the healing big time because we've had such a long journey, such a powerful journey, and we carry so much at the etheric levels from each and every lifetime. For as we lay aside the body, the energetic field that we have created in that lifetime becomes one with the past nows of all of our prior lives. So the mind of this life becomes one with the soul of the, that is the soul is the lives of the past nows and the future nows, but that's another story. So now we have a gigantic energy field we are going to be addressing in this healing, which is a good thing. It enables us to go deeper into the healing. It enables us to reach some very old, very entrenched patterns in a way that we might not have been able to before. And now that we are standing in this forever now, and all of the listeners are here, including especially the future listeners, we have a tremendous amount of souls present in this healing. And we're all now going to focus on this pure soul essence light that we carry. This pure soul essence light is the divine light that we all carry, every soul at every level, from the lowliest grain of sand to the highest most evolved being carries this pure soul essence. It is everything that originating source was, is, and is becoming. And at the creation of ourselves as souls, we take on that pure soul essence. You can imagine it connecting us to the originating source, thread of light. That thread is eternally present. It is part of the eternal now. 
We never lose that connection. And this light is divine in nature. It is our purest, most perfect, most potent point of power. And it, this is just by focusing on it, we are giving it permission to become active within our free will arena. Humans live in the free will kingdom, and divine will is, we are unable, well, divine will is unable to trespass. It has to be invited in. It has to be given permission to help us, to heal us. And this is what we do by focusing on this powerful pure soul essence that we carry. I ask that you imagine your pure soul essence to be a spark of light, a flame of a candle, or even better yet, a symbolic sun within us. The sun is so powerful, it is a wonderful symbol to use because we immediately, upon thinking of a sun, can connect at that thought level with the idea of all that power that we carry. It isn't the symbol, of course, that carries the power. It's what the symbol represents. By focusing on the symbol, we are activating the energy behind it. So by focusing on the symbol of a sun within us, we are activating that pure soul essence light that we all carry eternally. And that light is filling our beingness. It is filling us at the physical level moving in through and around the totality of all that we are. It continues to expand by using our focus, by our intention, and focusing our intention to expand that light. It moves in through and around the totality of ourselves at the beingness level. And in this way, it is a filling eternal now that we have already created. And I want to say that the eternal now, because we are all connected, all the listeners are connected. We have joined each and every one of us in one accord. And this incredible, divine, symbolic sunlight is so bright. It's almost unknowable in its beauty, in its power, in its brightness, in its expansion. And this light is present for each and every one of us, no matter when, as a listener, you should happen to tune in to this healing. Its light is so brilliant, filling the forever now, a frozen space in time maintained for us by the higher self. And we are now going to consciously amalgamate with the conglomerate higher self. They've already been present and operational in this healing. But now I want to bring to each and every one of you's attention that we are part of a conglomerate and of amalgamated with the conglomerate energy stream of the higher selves from each and every individual that will and has, because if it's in the future now, there will have been some listeners who already have listened. We are in this way becoming one with a very powerful energy stream of this totality of higher self. And I have to say, can't even fathom the number. 
it's because this podcast will be available for many, many years and decades. In fact, I see it becoming projected and replayed and utilized in many different, you know, I I can't even explain it, but each and every time it is played with each and every listener, these listeners are all present even though they're decades in the future. It's kind of interesting, it's kind of fascinating what I'm seeing here, but it is beautiful, it is huge, it is infinite in nature. And this is for everyone's benefit as each and every one of you process this healing. I'm asking, too, that we become one with the originating source of all there is. We are already connected to and one with that that divine energy, for we are carrying that pure soul essence, and that has been expanded, this huge expanded uh, pure soul essence that we've all focused on. But coming one with the originating source itself It's our guarantee and our request that we bring in the energy at the very highest level that we can each and every moment of time we do this healing work. And this is important because if you listen to this several times over a series of days or weeks or months, each time you listen, you're going to be bringing in higher levels of energy healing, understanding, information, purity, perfection, balance, harmony, everything will be at the very highest level that each listener can utilize at that moment in time. So we set this healing up always with the amalgamation with the originating source of all there is. I'm now going to ask each and every one of you to envision in front of you You are standing in an ice field, something hard like ice over a pond or over a lake, over even over the ocean where it's been so cold. There is some ice you can walk out on. In front of you, you see the tip of an iceberg, and this this tip is huge. It's not simply a round conic shape like a haystack might be. It's actually complex. It has many different peaks and valleys. It's kind of, it's, 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 almost, it's scary looking. And this is the tip of your fear iceberg. There's nooks and crannies. There's hidden crevasses. There's caves. There's deep and dark areas within it that absolutely you don't want to go you're resistant you're 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 just can't even look inside it's so scary this is not a pretty sight this is not one of those icebergs that is filled with beautiful streaks of blue or aqua this is a very ugly scary dangerous looking tip of the iceberg, fear that we are aware of. This is the fear that we are conscious of. 
This is the fear that we are here today to handle, to neutralize. The first thing I'm going to do is ask that you call in and open up yourself to divine courage, divine clarity of vision, and expanded perception, divine understanding, divine insight, and divine connection to all that you are at that pure soul essence level. And I want you to begin to grow yourself, see yourself moving from this sort of smallish figure with this giant fear tip of the iceberg in front of you. I want you to start growing yourself, imagining yourself getting full of light, full of this divine energy that you are and you already have focused on it but now we're going to actually grow ourselves to become larger and larger I want you to um, again bring in divine understanding and divine courage divine serenity and allow yourself to become as tall as tip of the iceberg and I want you to keep growing yourself in light. What we're doing here is to bring this fear to a level where it is not so intimidating, not so uh, overshadowing. We want to keep growing ourselves symbolically in light. And I'm seeing a conglomerate picture. And some of you are having a little bit of a problem here, but many of you are not. And so I'm asking the many, I would like us to symbolically join hands. And we're all going to share our own light with each other. And in this way, we're going to help those that are... Okay, we're going to begin simply by releasing the belief that we can never get past our fear. This is what's holding some of us back. The belief that we can never, the hopelessness, we can never get past this. It's going to rule our lives forever, whatever that fear is. That absolute conviction that fear is here to stay. And I want to begin simply by asking each of us to release that conviction, that hopelessness, that feeling like there's no way we can do it. I want everybody to begin to release all that energy, all that belief system, all the self-identity, all the coping skills, the self-identities that, oh, I'm just always forever going to be afraid of dogs. There's nothing I can do about it, or I'm always going to be afraid to drive, or I'm always going to be afraid of whatever. We develop self-identities around it, and I want everyone to release these fears, these beliefs, these limitations that we carry. And it's scary because it opens us up to facing those fears. It's a very vulnerable place, and I want to call in divine courage and divine insight and divine support. We're all here. Everyone is holding on to each and every one symbolically hands around the this incredibly immense circle of souls that are here to help one another, 
to support one another. No one is alone. No, I want everybody to release the isolation patterns. Now, what we're doing is we're releasing all of this into the light, our own light. Everybody's releasing into the own light that is then further reinforced by the divine light of the originating source, by the divine light of the higher selves, and by the divine light of everyone else. It's very powerful, and it is neutralizing is neutralizing all that's being released. And I want to bring in the understanding that when we release the conviction, that when we release the belief that we are eternally going to be stuck with whatever the fears are that we have, it is not a situation where we suddenly are going to be so vulnerable that we're going to die or we're suddenly going to um, have a nervous breakdown. We're going to release the fears themselves as well and we're getting to that point but first we want to release enough of the fear of losing the fear or the belief that we will never lose the fear so that we can then address the fears itself. But we are all holding on. We are all connected. We are all supported. No one is alone. And I want everyone to release the idea that they are isolated and alone. That nobody understands them. That nobody is going to be there for them. That nobody can hear them when they say, I just can't go outside. I just can't go outside. I have agoraphobia. I can't go outside. What we've all experienced with whatever fears we've had is people saying, just get over it. And I want to tell you, this is not what is happening now. There is so much support. This is the AA for all fear, right here, right now. Or the FA, the Fears Anonymous. This is the support group that anybody and everybody can tap into and use. This fear healing right here, right now, no matter when you feel it or hear hear it, no matter when you listen to it. And once you've listened to it, you can tap into it again and again. This is your support group, Fear Anonymous. And I'm asking that we all release now, since we now are part of a huge group, the isolation pattern, the loneliness, the n- nobody can understand me, nobody can really hear me, nobody can deal with my fears. I'm isolated. All the need to hide the fears, all the need to project, all the need to project I'm okay, when underneath you couldn't be less okay. I want you to release the persona that you're the strong one, you're the healthy one, you're the one that's emotionally balanced, when underneath you are a basket case. These are all coping styles. These are all ways we handle the fear. These are ways we go through life and to deal with all the fears that we carry. 
I want everyone to release the addiction patterns. Whether you're an addict of any sort in this life or not, most likely we've all been addicts to something. Whether it's the alcohol or drugs, whether it's the OCD, whether it's the being a workaholic, whether it's overeating, whatever it is, I want you to release the addictive behavior. That's a coping style. That enables us to deal with the fears, enables us to deal, deal with the pain. It's not just for fear, it's for a lot of other things, but let's release addiction patterns in general. There's often a fear element because the fear is the fear of looking at that pain, the fear of being so vulnerable, the fear of being alone, the fear of whatever. It's so complicated, guys. And I want all that addictive behavior, all that addictive coping style to be released. And I'm asking that each of us continue to release all the fears, causes, all the everything directly and indirectly related because I'm going back now to looking at ourselves. We haven't yet dealt with the fears themselves, although we've dealt with some fears, the fear of fear. <laughs> I'm seeing now, except for I'm still seeing one person symbolically, and it could represent several people, but there's one person that's still unable to fill themselves with the light so that they become bigger along with the others in the circle. And I'm standing right next to this person or these people symbolically. And all of us have become very large. We're just continuing to call in divine love, divine hope, divine uh, opportunity, divine unfoldment, divine release, divine neutrality, divine understanding, and we're just divine mind, divine focus, divine light, and every kind that we need. And I am seeing the whole circle of people getting larger and larger, symbolic. And now... What I'm seeing is wonderful. It's as if the tip of this ugly iceberg is more or less belly button level. We are, as a group, very, very tall and very, very extended over this, this fear symbol of the tip of the iceberg. Now, there are, there is symbolically someone, which I'm understanding now from the higher self, it's actually representative of several, of a few, and those few will often change because these few aren't quite ready at this point in time to deal with their fears. And that's fine. That's 100% fine. I am holding on to one symbolic hand of this group and the rest of the uh, as well, and then I'm connected to the rest of the group with my other hand, and the rest of the group is holding on to the other hand. So symbolically, whether or not this ready, they are completely and 100% supportive. It doesn't mean that the next healing or the next time this these people listen to the healing, they will move perhaps 
be able to move into the more supportive group, the, the not supportive group, the group that has reached, is ready and able to deal with it, and new people will symbolically be re represented by these few that are unable to move with the healing energy that we're doing right now. So it doesn't mean they're forever stuck there. But what is important is that they get the sense that even though they're not ready to deal yet, that perhaps tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, they're going to be moving into being ready. Because what's happening in the healing now is that the energy isn't wasted. It is being brought into, the healing is being brought into their soul banks. And they're not ready to take it in and utilize it as yet, but it's there, and it will grow and blossom, again, in the own timing with each individual who may be part of this healing, and it will blossom and grow, and the individual, each individual will take it in at their own rate of speed. Okay, now, here we are standing as a group, totally connected. This is the FA group, Fear Anonymous. And we are joined in one accord. We are symbolically totally connected to our symbolic sunlight. And we're all going to begin to pulse this sunlight to this symbolic fear in front of us. Now understand, even though we're doing it as a group, that each of you are going to be neutralizing your own elements. You can't trespass anybody else, and nobody else can trespass you, but we're using a group symbol simply because it's we are part of F.A. now. I didn't know when I started this is what was going to happen, but the higher self have brought us to this point, brought me to this point, and they're assuring me that as we each and every one, it's already happening, begin to pulse the light toward that symbolic tip of the iceberg, it's beginning to disintegrate. It's beginning to dissolve. It's as if the sunlight that we carry is melting the tip of this iceberg. And this it's melting all kinds of fears. It's melting, and as I say it, I want you, each and every one of you, to understand that your fears are part of this iceberg. And if you feel you need to actually release the fear into the light, you can do that. You can say, I am releasing that fear. I am neutralizing that fear. And those fears are being, as they're neutralized, they're being absorbed into your light. You can handle this many different ways. And I see fear of the unknown is a big part of this. Fear of change. Failure. Fear of success fear of death, fear of illness, fear of aging, fear of loss, fear of pain, physical and emotional, isolation, fear of homelessness, fear of starvation. Fear of powerlessness, discovering that I'm really 
as bad a person as I believe I am. And as we begin to release these fears and many, many more, fear of God, even fear of life, fear of responsibility, fear of growing up, dying, fear of people, fear of talking, fear of expressing. And each one of these things, as I say, I'm seeing different parts of this, con- this symbolic iceberg starting to melt. Who I think I am. Because as I said earlier, we've all developed self-identities about and around the fearful parts of ourselves. The fear of speaking in front of groups, being a leader, the fear of being a follower, the fear of being a victim, the fear of being a victimizer. And as we do these neutralizing, again, I want you all to be, to understand you are neutralizing not only the emotional blueprints around fear of all these different fears, around the different events that are part of this, that have created this iceberg of fear, you're also releasing simultaneously the belief systems, self-identities, the limited truths, the ripple effects, the causes, both direct and indirect, the imprints, the habits, the habit imprints, the knee-jerk reactions, fear of being vulnerable, the fear of connection, the fear of commitment, commitment to others, commitment to the destiny, commitment to ourselves, fear is pervasive, fear is operational at so many different levels. And now what I'm seeing is as the tip of the iceberg, except for a few little things poking above the surface, getting down and beginning to address the unconscious fears, the fears that are so more dormant in nature, that don't poke out all the time, but are absolutely still ruling our lives, but in ways we're not aware of. We know from the Titanic that they saw the tip of the iceberg, but it was one of the underlying protrusions of the iceberg that destroyed that ship from view, but it was still there and still a powerful part of that scenario. And that's the way our unconscious fears or less conscious, sometimes we become conscious a little bit here or there, but that's the way they, they operate. And I'm asking now that we, at, we begin to use our light symbolically from all of us, 350 degrees, we're using our light and we're creating like a drill 
like an oil drill going down in the center, right in the center of this underground part, portion of the iceberg. And the light ground there is dark. Yuck, yuck, yuck. It is dark. It is those hidden repressed fears. It is those unconscious fears, the things we can't figure out why we're afraid, the things we carry forward from so many past lives. And I'm watching the light as it symbolically starts to penetrate down, down, down. And now the light is, has a light, of its, a light of its own and is beginning to find little nooks and crannies and crevices and openings and cave, caves all throughout this underground ice. And the light is moving as we pump it in. We're pumping in this neutralizing, divine, powerful light. And we are, it, it's just being pumped in. And the light, just like water finds every little nook and cranny to flow into, so does the light. And as it flows in, it kind of, it takes the pinprick through the ice and begins to neutralize and open up that little pinprick, that little nook, that little crevice. And I'm beginning to see now, it's very powerful, and in this way we're helping each other. All of us are helping each other move into and add to the light to bring into the fear itself. The fear itself is now becoming less and less. It's I see little cavelets or cavelet, I don't think is a word, like little um, little caves, just pockets, like pockets all through the ice. And if I went into a pocket, I would see different types of fears. Like in one pocket, there's someone who just seems to be afraid of the light itself. It's just afraid of coming out of its dark place. It's afraid of... The light is unknown even. It's afraid of hope because it, would, it might mean that if it has hope, then it's only going to be more devastated when the hope was a false hope, when it wasn't real, that it was an illusion, the illusion of hope. And so this, this cavelet, this little mini cave, this, this is the, the symbolic person or people are literally hiding behind rocks in the cave, running away from the light of hope. And I want to, again, bring in the light of understanding, the light of divine love, the light of um, divine forgiveness, the light of divine insight and expanded perception. And when I did that, it was as if the light was able to sort of move around the rocks where the symbolic person was hiding, and it was absolutely beginning to nibble away and getting closer and closer to the person itself, the symbolic symbol of the person, and begin to envelop with divine love and absolute support it's enveloping that person and enabling that person to finally experience the true light, the illusion of light. This is true light. And that person is experiencing what I would call uh, bliss. 
And as a result, it has moved that cavern, that little cavelet, has been so filled with light, and that symbolic person, or it's really not a person, it's the energy identities of the fear and all the belief systems that are part of that fear are now completely neutralized and absorbed by the light. And there are absolutely thousands of these cavelets around this underground cave because now we're dealing with many, many souls, many, many thousands and tens of thousands of souls that are part of this FAA community that we have built here, that we have started, and that I'm sure it, I will be back here in another radio show. There are many more cavelets, and I'm asking that the higher self please direct the light. And they are actually, what I'm seeing is that some of the cavelets are uh, symbolically a conglomerate of many people. So when we go in and address the cavelet, it means that several people, maybe many, maybe hundreds, if not thousands of people, are having that aspect to their fear being neutralized. It would take way more time than I have to go into every little cavelet, but there are literally thousands and thousands of them here because it's so complex. We're all so unique, and we carry elements of the same cavelet, but we don't necessarily carry the same ones as the next person. So the higher selves are doing an incredible job. I'm seeing a, a, a beautiful neutralizing going on. Very powerful. Now I want to just tune in. Um, in this short healing, we have been able to open up a big space. We've created this beautiful ice cavern, so to speak, with many beautiful crystalline-type structures, um, that are reflecting the many colorful, beautiful aspects of the originating source. It's almost as if we've created a central room in the middle of this that is going to continue to reflect into the rest of the underground uh, fear iceberg. It's going to continue to reflect and heal the, the deeper, more distant parts of the underground iceberg, but it is, it's absolutely beautiful. It's the higher self totality aspect has been created in a crystalline form. Simply, I'm using that as a symbol. Uh, it's as if the pure soul essence of the originating source itself is here beaming from its many facets beautiful colors and lights into the deeper recesses of this symbolic fear iceberg. I'm now going to further infuse each and every one who's part of this healing. Infuse you again with the divine love, which activates the divine love, the higher heart consciousness that each and every one of you carry, that each and every one of you are. That is who you are. I'm also going to activate the divine forgiveness, powerful energy, and allows us to forgive ourselves with all of the perceived flaws that we have about ourselves. These are only perceived. They are perceived because that's what we see ourselves through our blinders of these emotional and all the other imprints 
and, and energy identities we carry at that energetic field level. And so I'm going to divine, uh, also infuse you with divine hope. The hope is that we will eventually neutralize the emotional blueprints that are hampering us in our lives, that are holding us stuck, that are keeping us so limited in ways we known and unknown. So I'm calling in that divine hope and infusing it with a hope of being free, having true choice. And now I'm calling in the divine faith energy, which is a very powerful energy that works with hope. And the energy that divine faith carries is energy that helps us manifest all that is hoped for. And so now we are also being flooded with the divine faith energy, allowing us to more easily and quickly and effortlessly move into and manifest the all that is hoped for. I'm calling in the divine material balance energy. Material balance simply is energy that helps us manifest from the abstract to the concrete. So it is another level, another layer of divine energy, another intensely powerful energy that is going to help us manifest the divine freedom, freedom from fear, the to help us manifest all of our unlimited nature, all that purity of purpose, sincerity of motive, all that unlimited possibilities, unlimited opportunities that we wish to materialize in our life pattern. These are divine energies and can never hurt or harm, can never manipulate, and can never bring in something in our lives that are that will uh, that are at a lower frequency level when we bring in the divine energies they are always bringing us to higher and higher frequency levels a more expanded viewpoint and i would like to call in divine insight ex the expanded perspe perspective divine vision divine unfoldment, divine connection to ourselves and the pure soul essence that we are, divine power. This is not the power that we envision and think about on this planet. It is the divine power of that pure soul essence. It is the divine, and I would like to call in the divine yes to that power. Yes to who we are at this beautiful pure soul essence level. Yes to the unfoldment of all of our gifts and talents. Yes to the freedom and the opportunity and the possibility that we carry within. Yes to the manifestation of the beautiful, joyful, wonderful lives that we all wish to have and we all wish to manifest. And with that, I'm going to end this show and this very, very amazing, powerful healing. The higher selves brought it up a notch. I love that. They now have created the FA, <laughs> the, fear, the Fear Anonymous. Uh, I don't know if I'm... Um, 
saying that just right, but based on Alcoholics Anonymous, I want the Fear Anonymous. It is a gigantic support group for all of us to help us feel totally and perfectly connected, supported, nurtured, and where we all have the help to unfold and uh, move through and neutralize our fears and move past them to neutralize them, not repress them, not just push them off to a, a cavelet somewhere, but to actually bring the light in through and around all of that fear to neutralize whatever that fear may be. Each and every one of you to listen to this powerful healing again and again, pushing pause, dealing with your own issues, your own fears, whatever I didn't speak about, but whittle away, get deeper and deeper and deeper into that symbolic iceberg that we all carry that includes many different cavelets, many different issues, many different fears, many different complex emotional blueprints. And in this way, you will be giving yourself a very big, huge gift. This is, this is a gift, guys. Questions, any comments, any concerns, please contact me at Janet at JanetRichmond.com. Don't forget, my website is JanetRichmond.com, and there's tons and tons of information on that website. So much of it is free, very little of it you would ever need to pay for. My book, Yes, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints, is available. It's available there and also on Amazon.com. It's available as an iBook. I mean, anything. Um, it, it, a, lot of is a lot is available for not very much money. You can always sign up for a private session, and I can deal with you as, and help you as an individual um, if you need a jump start or you feel like it's an issue that's so big you, you, you're, you're feeling still intimidated, that's okay. My, I'm there for people 100%. Sometimes when we start being new, we just need someone to hold our hand and help us get into it a little more, teach us, help us get comfortable with addressing it on our own. And... I'm always there for anybody if that's what you need. I needed that. Literally, when I joined the gym, I hired a trainer because I had no idea where to begin. And so this is 100% available to you. This is why I went to all those classes with Joan. Many of you don't have the opportunity for classes because you're not local. In time, I'd like to travel. I would like to bring workshops to any and many of you. I, if anybody has a few people that could, would be interested in me being there in person, I'm there. I'm there. I want to begin to have this information expand as much as possible. And I do have individuals that do work on their own all around and have one or two others, but I want to continue that growth. It is important to get this information out. It is our right and our privilege, and we carry all we need to carry to do this work. So I'm there for you in any way you can think of and in ways that I can't think of. I'm open. Please contact me. I'm there for you all. We're all in this together. We're all part of this together. 
And with that, I want to thank all the listeners, no matter when you're listening. And the next time you hear me will be, I guess it's the July 16th, and it will be live. I will be back in the in L.A. area, and we'll be there for you live and would encourage callers to call in at that time. And, of course, anybody, please email me, because even if you think of it now, don't wait. Email me anyway, right away, and I will put you on the list to do the healings online because, I, unfortunately, so many people work at the time I'm live. So I understand why people don't call in live, and that's why I have the email option for you. Okay. Have a wonderful week, and I will be talking with you on a wonderful Wednesday next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints.